My next guest is somebody who's been on the show before, somebody I'm a great fan of, and uh, many of you know him uh, as well. Uh, Reza Aslan is an internationally renowned scholar and scho- excuse me, writer and scholar of religions. His books include a number one New York Times bestseller, Zealot, The Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth, How to Win a Cosmic War, God, Globalization, and the End of the War on Terror, and No God But God, The Origins, Evolution, and Future of Islam. Reza also teaches creative writing at the University of California, Riverside, not far from where I'm sitting in our studios here in Los Angeles, and the founder of Aslan Media, co-founder of Boom Gen Studios. Reza, good afternoon. Welcome back. Good to have you back, buddy. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Uh, it's so great to be back. It's been, uh, it's been too long. I know it has been too long. Got to get you on more. Um, so much that's uh, going on. Now, Reza, I think that you are aware that my uh, husband uh, was raised in a Muslim family, that my real name off-air is a very Arabic Muslim name, and that's my children's name, and that my husband's entire family uh, are Muslim, and, and some of them, you know, uh, although moderate uh, by some standards, very religious, uh, uh, you know, by other standards. Um, so th- I feel very uh, personally uh, about this. I don't know if you heard the cut that we just played at the end from uh, Kelly File last night on Fox News Channel, where a former Navy Navy SEAL was trying to uh, justify um, a Muslim registry um, using and invoking uh, the time historically in our nation with Japanese internment camps. And I want to start uh, with that. Are you surprised when you hear this type of uh, rhetoric? And is it just rhetoric? Um, Or do people, Muslims especially, have the right to fear that this is the new boogeyman? I am surprised. I mean, let's be clear, throughout American history, there have been times in which we have targeted specific groups because of their religion or their ethnicity, be it Catholics or Jews, Germans or Japanese. And it's fairly, you know, unanimous among American historians and indeed even just sort of normal people that these were times of great shame for the United States, that this was a blight on the history of this country and the morals and values that we stand for. And so it should come as a shock to all Americans. Indeed, it should send a chill up all of our spines to hear, um, you know, uh, advocates of the president-elect not just lauding these events, but thinking of them as precedent for future actions involving the curtailing of rights of specific minority groups in the United States. Uh, In Trump's America, um, Muslims see that there are realities of an Islamophobic presidency that are beginning to sink in. And for many Muslim Americans, we have seen um, threats of violence, uh, discrimination, uh, more hateful actions post uh, the election on November 8th than we did after September 11th. What is that something that you think will increase or is that something that you think will eventually subside? Um, because, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, there have been threats of, of violence and threats of discriminatory policies under the president-elect Trump in this administration. And, uh, you know, so first of all, do you think that will increase or not? And, and second, will this be the push that it takes for Muslims to become more involved? And, you know, I've, I've heard from many Muslims that say, you know, People hate us because they don't know us and ask me, and Reza, you may agree or disagree. They said, what do you think Muslims need to do, Leslie? And I said, there are three things. One, you got to become involved in politics. Two, you got to get out there and be a part of your community. PTA, you know, go to that barbecue that's serving beer, just don't drink one. Um, and three, and three, 
procreate like hell. Uh, but what do, what do you think, Reza? <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I mean, look, these, these last uh, few days and this last week since the election, we have seen an unprecedented uptick in acts of violence, hate crimes against Muslims in this country. That alone should, I think, be worrisome. But what's even, uh, I think, a far graver issue is that these threats of violence, these acts of violence, have been carried out in the name of our president-elect. They aren't just sort of random acts of violence, but these are quite clearly connected to the wave of white supremacist, white nationalist sentiment that was so much of the backbone of the support for um, President-elect Trump's victory. And so I think it's this, this, this sort of impossible-to-imagine notion that the man whose entire job is to enforce the Constitution of the United States has become the living symbol of everything that denigrates that Constitution. It's, it's too much to even to, to bear. It's too much to imagine. And as far as what to do about it, I think you're absolutely right. I always well, Reza, hold that thought. Hold that thought. We're going to come back. I love to leave on the note. We absolute, I'm absolutely right. But, Reza, we're going to take a break. We'll be back to you. Uh, pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Reza Aslan is internationally renowned writer, scholar of religions, author of great books like No God But God, The Origins, Evolution, and Future of Islam. Back with him and you right after this. Reza Aslan, internationally renowned writer and scholar of religions, number one New York Times bestseller, Zealot, The Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth, How to Win a Cosmic War, God, Globalization, and the end of the war on terror also no god but god the origins evolution and future of islam and we're talking about the future of muslims in a donald trump america reza thank you for holding welcome back okay so i was i'm right go ahead please continue <laughs> <laughs> you're right end of story no look i think that you know liberals progressives educated people like to think that bigotry is the result of ignorance that if you're a bigot then it just means you're you're ignorant you don't know and if you could just be taught you know the right amount of information then you would stop being uh, bigoted towards whomever you're bigoted against but bigotry isn't the result of ignorance bigotry is the result of fear and fear is impervious to data fear is impervious to information the way that you confront fear through relationships, which is why I so agree with what you were saying. Look, only one percent of this country is Muslim. So oh, I thought it was one. I thought it was one point six. <laughs> no, <laughs> my numbers are wrong. Less than two. Let's say less than two. We do. We do procreate pretty quickly. Um, let's say. Let's say two. Let's say less than two percent. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that. The vast majority of Americans probably don't know any Muslims, probably have never met any Muslims. And so this isn't going to change until we start to build relationships with others, with people who don't share our religion or our ethnicity, our race or our culture or our our background. That's what America has always been about, the unity that we find in our diversity. And that's why those of us whether you are Jewish or Muslim, black or Latino or gay, or whether you're just a straight white man, if you want to maintain the, the, the promise of the Constitution, the promise of what makes this country so great, then you have to revel in its diversity rather than being afraid of it. 
I, I want to share um, one uh, person's experience uh, because according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the amount of hate crimes reported since election night have been unusually high. Uh, the civil rights organization tallied 437 incidents nationwide, and they said they and the ADL, Anti-Defamation League, that they've had uh, more reports of hatred and uh, violence against Muslims than since 9-11. Uh, Araha Nizam was um, last week, a week ago today, on the Q43 bus in New York. Um, she actually was on a bus that went through the Queens neighborhood, very affluent neighborhood where Donald Trump was raised. She's a Muslim and, um, she was concerned about the president elect, about his, uh, promises that target Muslims, about his rhetoric, about immigrants, about women. Uh, but it wasn't until an older couple began yelling at her 10 week, minutes into her weekly commute to her internship that the reality of Trump's America set in. She said, quote, most of what they were saying was telling me I can't wear it, the hijab anymore, and telling me to take it off. Now, she is an American. She was born here. She was raised here. She is 19 years of age. She said she even heard Islamic phobic, Islamophobic comments before, but the stream of verbal abuse forced her to confront a reality she had been try, trying to avoid, and that was that Trump won. She said, quote, I didn't believe it until the moment this incident occurred. I don't think I absorbed it and felt the reality of it. I didn't. I kept myself distracted um, all of Wednesday and Thursday, the days uh, after the election happened, and then it hits me. This is actually what's going on, and it was not okay. Reza, my concern, because I've heard so many things like this, and, and not just toward Muslims, because I'm talking to you, um, or, and you are a Muslim, let, let's keep it to, to that. There are girls out there or women that are going to school or work without their hijab. There are people out there um, afraid to go to the mosque. There are people out there afraid uh, to leave uh, their house. I think that there are those who voted for Trump, or even if they didn't, who see Trump's victory as a green light to do this and say these things to fellow Americans, and and, and I'm afraid of that. No question. So There's no question. I mean, look, Islamophobia, bigotry has been present in the United States long before Donald Trump. The difference is now that the most powerful man in America, the man who represents what this country means and what it is about, is now the chief Islamophobe, the chief bigot. Um, so, of course, this is going to embolden uh, people in this country who feel as though the, uh, the electoral victory of this man has in some way validated their ideology, their beliefs. There is a reason why the KKK is celebrating this victory. And if that in and of itself, regardless of anything else, if that doesn't tell you the danger that we are about to uh, undergo as a nation, I don't know what else will I want to talk about what we can do in response because, you know, I think, you know, to, to me, talk is cheap. It's really action. So, you know, you, you tell me, you're a member of the Muslim community. What can those of us um, who are not Muslim do in a response because it is so frightening and, and, and scary for Muslims in uh, the forthcoming uh, four years of Trump's America? Number one, put your money where your mouth is. There are organizations, civil rights groups, whether it's the SPCL or the ADL or CARE or other groups whose entire purpose is to stand up for those who are most threatened by a Trump uh, election victory. So support them, help them, go to their, go to their needs, whether that be Planned Parenthood or whether that be civil rights groups. I mean, there are organizations 
who are now on the front lines of this battle, and they need help. They need money. Number two, you have to recognize that in a democracy like ours, each individual is a representation of the country as a whole. And so it's not enough to just simply sit back and complain about the direction of this country. We are the face of this country, so we need to be ourselves at the forefront. We need to fight for those values that we believe make this country great. We need to do so in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in synagogues, and mosques, but we also need to do so with our vote. There is another election, another very important election happening in two years from now, and that election will help us decide whether uh, President Trump is going to have absolutely unfettered power over all reigns of the federal government, as he does now, or not. So this fight isn't over, but we need to make sure that we don't just simply crawl into our holes as much as we want to. We, don't, we can't hide our identities. We can't hide our values. Now more than ever, we need to fight for them. Um, let's uh, go to some calls. On line four in Phoenix is Mike. Mike is listening on KPHX Radio. Good afternoon, Mike, and welcome. Question or comment for our guest, Reza Aslan? Oh, yes, we are. Actually, it's a question and then a comment. Um, as far as, like, they talk about the vetting and background checks and things like that, allowing immigrants in, and I'm, I, don't, I don't like labels, so. Um, but the thing that gets me is, is are Muslim Americans, once they become American citizens, are they going to assimilate to American traditions, American values, and still practice their own? And uh, uh, there was something else, and I just forgot it because I was listening. Well, let's, ta- let's, tackle, let's, let's tackle that first before you remember the second mic. Uh, and before Reza responds, I want <clears> to <throat> ask you a question, okay? Yeah. Um, what do you consider, because I, I think people, you know, there's different definitions. I missed what do you, that. What, was what, what do you consider assimilation to be? Well, basically my thing about assimilation would be is, is accepting others for who they are, for what they believe, and what they want to do in life. Well, well the, the, numbers, the, numbers, the numbers show me that the Muslims are being attacked for the way they're dressing, the way they're worshiping, an accent and they may have. That's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Right. So, so, um, who's a, who's assimil- so why would you want to, quote, assimilate to somebody who perceives you as an enemy? Well, because, like, I, I looked up Dearborn, Michigan, 2016 on YouTube, and what they're calling no-go zones. These are Muslim, or these are, you know, basically American no-go zones. They're, they're Muslim-run towns. And well, I, actually, 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 Mike, Mike, I want, I want to, no, 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 we need, we need to, we need to, listen, you need to listen and, and, and correct facts. There was actually, there were actually reporters on different networks, both cable and mainstream, that went to these supposed no-go zones and found that, well, first of all, they weren't all Muslim. Second of all, anybody could go, and they went in and had a burger or a I, beer. I'm saying, I'm saying that the... Yeah, there are, but Mike, when I'm saying, when I'm saying it, true. Mike, you want to believe something that's not true, like Facebook today is trying to remove all of these fake news sites that are blogs. And, well, and, to, and, I, and, I, and I like that, too, how they're trying to... Uh, what no, 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 Mike, you're not listening. Mike, Mike, you don't want to Get listen. Right, right, right but Mike, you're not listening. There are no, guys, can we just respond to this guy, please? Uh, there, there are no no-go zones in the United States. Reza, please jump in. There is no, there is no such thing as a no-go zone that has been repeatedly debunked. Even Fox News 
had to literally Correct. apologize to an audience for using the phrase no-go zone. It's an absolute absurd myth. It doesn't exist. There is no reason to say that it does. Okay. However, to this larger point of assimilation, you know, I, again, I think that the, the question assumes that there isn't assimilation in the United States, despite the fact that Muslim immigrants have literally the highest level of citizenship uh, in the United States, the highest levels of education in the United States, huge economic success. In fact, the median income for a Muslim household in America is larger than it is for a non-Muslim household in America. By every measure in which assimilation can be discussed, Muslims have thoroughly assimilated into American culture. So the question becomes, why sort of assume that they haven't. I think oh, and I want to jump in here, too. Because Mike, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been to an Amish community? No. Okay. The Amish have no, not... The Am- wait, 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 wait. The I Amish... one of their little cabins. Okay. The Amish have been here for hundreds of years, yet they technically haven't assimilated. I mean, they don't use computers. They don't drive cars. Uh, they don't use electricity um, or phones, whether it's a landline or um, a cell phone, and they dress differently. Orthodox. Well, that's understandable. Excuse that me. Excuse me. Mike, Mike, America, Mike. I've never heard of the Amish Mike. rising up against people, though. Mike. The Orthodox Jewish community, the Orthodox Jewish community, has not quote assimilated fully, and you can't blame people who are Muslim for the actions of a few. Are you are you a Christian? And if so, should you be blamed for the actions of Timothy McVeigh or any other mass shooter that was oh, no, a Christian no, no, no. this past year? That. There, there's, there's, there's wrong people in every walk. Of Absolutely. Life. Okay, and, right. I, and I and I and I do understand that, but it's like. Uh, like you listen to to news in England, and I think there's like 18 or 80 something Sharia law courts. Which now, if, if you try as, as I guess it would be as a Muslim American to start implementing Sharia law in America, yeah, but see, Mike, Mike, I, Mike, Mike, I'm sure you're a very nice man, and I'm sure that you are intelligent, but you are not quoting facts. You're quoting no, fearful fiction. I hear you, but we need to answer the question. Reza, can you speak to us about what Sharia means? And can you speak to us about Sharia law in the United States and even in the UK, as Mike pointed out? There are, there are dozens of Sharia courts in the United States. There are dozens of Sharia courts in Western countries all over the world. Sharia courts is how Muslims get married. It's how Muslims get divorced. It's how Muslims settle child custody laws and divorce laws. Just as, though, just as there are dozens of halakha courts in the United States, where if you are a Jew who wants to get married or divorced or deal with any, any family inheritance issues, you have the right, as does every single religion without exception in the United States, to go to your own religious court to deal with these issues. If at any point religious court. that religious court Please, please let me finish. If at any point those religious courts uh, it, it violate uh, American civic law, then civic law uh, supersedes it. There is nothing weird or unusual about there being a Sharia court in the United States, any more than there is anything weird or unusual about using Catholic canon law to define divorce or using Halakha, Jewish law, to define marriage. That's what it's all about. So if you're talking about removing the rights and privileges that one religious community has, but every other religious no, community no, I, I think everybody should have the right to 
practice. So what, what I think, I what I think Mike, so, Mike, Mike, if I may, what I think, Reza, that Mike and many Americans think or fear when they hear Sharia law is they think that um, it's a replacement for the actual laws of the United States, and and, and that is not possible, not only under our Constitution, but under all laws on both the federal and state right. level. Literally impossible. Right. It's literally impossible for any foreign law to supersede American civil law. Yeah. That is not what we're talking about here. Right. That doesn't and, exist. But I'm and, saying and, that when people say Sharia law, that's really what they mean. So when they say something like, there are Sharia courts in America, they want you to think that there are places where people are stoning women. No. Those are places where people get married. That's what a show and Mike, we does. And Mike, we thank you for your call. I want to read something that everybody's familiar with. Reza, hang with me here just for a minute, and there's a reason. Um, and, and we know this. It's very famous. When the Nazis came for the communist, I remained silent. I was not a communist. When they locked up the social democrats, I remained silent. I was not a social democrat. When they came for the trade unionist, I did not speak out. I was not a trade unionist. When they came for the Jews, I remained silent. I wasn't a Jew. When they came for me, there was no one left to speak out. This was not. This was Martin Niemöller, and this was when he was speaking out um, after uh, what was happening to the Jews uh, in Hitler's uh, Germany and the view of Hitler's world. Uh, we have uh, we have less than a minute. I wish we could uh, keep going with time. One of the fears, Reza, is that this extends beyond Muslims. First, a registry for Muslims, then for Mormons, then for Jews, then for Catholics, then for just Methodists. I mean, it, it, and and that's why this is bigger than just Muslims and and bigger than just the Muslim community. Would you agree? If one group's rights can be violated in this country, then everyone's rights can be violated. It's Thank as simple you. as that. Thank you, Reza. We will have you on again. And by the way, according to the FBI, 94% of terrorist attacks carried out in the United States from 1980 to 2005 excuse me, have been by non-Muslims. Non-Muslims make up the majority of terrorists in Europe. There have been over 1,000 terrorist attacks in Europe in the past five years. Guess what percentage of those terrorists were Muslim? Less than 2%. And a study carried out by the University of North Carolina showed that less than 0.00002% of Americans killed since 9-11 were killed at the hands of a Muslim. But you don't know that, right? Like every time there's a shooting, nah, it doesn't make the French page unless somebody's named Abdullah Muhammad, right? I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll take a break when we come back. Talk media news live from our nation's capital. But I do want to tell you this real quick, just to be fair uh, to Reza. Please uh, follow him on Twitter at Reza Aslan, R-E-Z-A-A-S-L-A-N. He's very, very bright, not just about Islam, uh, but about social issues surrounding that uh, religion. His website is RezaAslan.com. Again, R-E-Z-A-A-S-L-A-N. And you really got to read his book. Uh, no God, but God, the Origins, Evolution, and Future of Islam. It's excellent. I have a copy. 